We are in the second week of Advent. I mean, I'm sorry, the second week of Christmas. And Christmas goes from December 25th for 12 days. I, I'm not up privy on the math of that right now. Kathy, when does, when does Christmas end? December 6th? January 6th. It goes for almost a year. January 6th is when Christmas ends. And so uh, we just have a few more days of Christmas left. And I, I hope that you are still celebrating in some way the season of Christmas. And um, I hope that your Christmas celebrations have been joyful and have been meaningful for you as well. The passage of Scripture that I'm going to be reading this morning is one that uh, will be read all around the world today. Um, it's a, a traditional passage to be read every third year on this particular Sunday. It's found in John chapter 1, and it starts with verse 1, if you want to follow along at home, and I will be ending with verse 18. It's a longer passage. It's known as John's prologue to the gospel, to his gospel. And um, there's some historic scholars, some, some historians of Scripture who believe that at one point, this was actually a hymn that people would sing, and there have been lots of uh, people take tries at kind of recomposing a hymn, and they've never really taken off and become popular or anything. But as you listen to these words, they're kind of written poetically, which that's one of the clues to us that this may have been a hymn at some point that they turned it into. So this is John chapter 1, the prologue to his gospel. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was with God in the beginning. Everything came into being through the Word, and without the Word, nothing came into being. What came into being through the Word was life. And the life was the light for all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness doesn't extinguish the light. A man named John was sent from God. He came as a witness to, so that through him everyone would believe in the light. He himself wasn't the light, but his mission was to testify concerning the light. The true light that shines on all people was coming into the world. The light was in the world, and the world came into being through the light, but the world didn't recognize the light. The light came to his own people, and his own people didn't welcome him. But those who did welcome him, those who believed in his name, he authorized to become God's children, born not from blood, nor from human desire or passion, but born from God. The Word became flesh and made his home among us. We have seen his glory, glory like that of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified about him, crying out, This is the one of whom I existed before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. As the law was given through Moses, so grace and truth came into being through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. God, the only Son, who is at the side of the Father, made God known. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. May God give us wisdom and courage for interpretation. May God give us wisdom and courage to apply the truth of Scripture to our lives. Amen. 
this is a really fun passage of scripture for a preacher to try to choose what to preach about from because I could have chosen that I want to talk about this um, audacious thing that John, the writer of this book, is doing in the very beginning by calling upon the creation and saying that there is a new creation that is happening in and through Jesus and that Jesus was part of the original creation taking place. That is an audacious thing to say theologically in ancient times and now. But today I wanted us to focus on two other main ideas that have really shaped my theology as uh, as an adult, the way that I parent, the way that I try to be friends with people, the way that I want to pastor you. This passage of scripture is one of the ones that has really shaped the way that I live my life in two places. The first is this one. John 1.5 says this, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness doesn't extinguish the light. What a confident and factual thing to say, right? Like, there is no possible way that darkness overcomes light. When the sun is shining, you can't overcome the sun. You can't overcome the stars at night. They are still there even if you can't see them. If you walk into a room that is dark and you flip the light switch on and everything is functioning electrically, the light will come on and will vanquish the darkness that is in that room. It is an actual fact that darkness does not overcome light. It works the other way around. Light overcomes darkness. So the first thing is like, well, yeah, no no doubt the darkness cannot overcome the light. But I love the confidence that John writes this was. He states it strongly and as a fact. But what about those times? What about those times when you're grieving the loss of someone you loved and it's the Christmas season and it just doesn't feel the same anymore? What about those times that maybe uh, you were in the midst of a really good relationship, at least you thought it was a really good relationship, and the relationship falls apart and it just the world just doesn't feel the same anymore? Or What happens when you're sitting in the doctor's office and you get the news of a diagnosis that nobody ever wants and it's you just That's a reality of life. I'm afraid that sometimes we as Christians, especially we as Christian pastors, pretend as though everything is always okay and it just isn't. I do believe that love wins. I do believe that the light overcomes the darkness. I do believe all of those things, but I also have experienced real darkness in my own life. Real grief, real pain, and real trauma. And as Christians, the next portion of this passage of Scripture that really resonates with me is where I find hope in the midst of that. Starting with verse 18, the very last verse of John's prologue, he writes, No one has ever seen God. Obvious, right? No one has ever seen God. God, the only Son, who is at the Father's side, has made God known. This, to me, is the heart of the Christmas story. 
That while we can't see God, and sometimes it's so dark we can't even feel the light, we, we can't even understand where God might be, we know that it's through Jesus that, that God has shown us that God cares enough about us and the troubles that we have that God didn't stay in this high and lofty place far and away and distant from us, but God chose to come and experience the life that we experience and show us how to live through trauma and grief and pain. And I think maybe even more importantly, how we can experience that with other people. Because if we're to be people who say we follow in the way of Jesus, we're the people who are supposed to go and stand in the darkness and shine light, sisters and brothers and our friends and our neighbors who are feeling lost, who are feeling hopeless, who are feeling like the darkness has overcome the light. I recently watched a new movie on Netflix called Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And I would encourage all of you to watch it. I would just be careful, don't watch it with your kids around. There is some... some uh, adult language in the movie, but it's based on a real person, Ma Rainey, who wrote a song called Black Bottom. It was a blues song. She's kind of the mother of blues music uh, in the United States and therefore in the world. And it's a play that was written, and there's a scene in the movie where Chadwick Boseman's character, this was his last character that he ever played, is expressing his pain, expressing the grief that he's experienced and expressing some deep and severe trauma. And he's yelling at one of the other characters in the movie, one of his fellow band members, saying, where was your God when that happened? And then he starts to yell at God, saying, you turn your back on me and I'll cut your heart out. He's just so angry. And as I was watching it, I literally got chills and my eyes filled with tears because I can not imagine the type of trauma that certain people in the world, based on their race, have experienced. I've never in my life had a moment where I feel as though God has turned God's back on me. It's always been the other way around where I feel like I've turned my back on God. And so... I was in my kitchen a few days later, and I was still thinking about that scene, and I said to my two daughters and my wife, if you knew somebody who had experienced trauma like that, and they were saying, God, turn God's back on me, how would you respond? I have what turned into a deeply theological conversation about the fact that God is good, and God is all-loving, and God is all-powerful, and God is all-knowing, so therefore, how could these types of things happen? Where is God when these things happen? And I was reminded of this passage. And I was reminded of the passage where Jesus says to Zacchaeus, come down out of the tree and let's go to your place. My answer is this. That when we are in the midst of trauma, when we are experiencing it, and when we are experiencing the aftermath of trauma, God is with us in those moments. That is what Jesus came to show us, is that God is with us. That's why we call Jesus Emmanuel, God with us. That's why we sing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, because we need to remember 
that God is with us. And when we can't see God, when our friends and neighbors and acquaintances can't see God, we are to be the light in the darkness. We are to be the ones who show people the character of God in the way that we love each other, the way that we stand in the midst of people's grief and pain and trauma with them. But we need the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. Because just like in Geo's, uh, what's it called, Beyblade, it can't do it on its own, and neither can I, and neither can you. So when you don't know how to respond, trust God that your presence is enough. That your effort to respond is enough. Because God takes our actions, however imperfect, makes them perfect. May you know that you are empowered to do the good work. May you know that the light will overcome the darkness that you experience in your life. And may you know that there is not a place on heaven or earth that you can go where God's presence isn't already there waiting for you. Howard Thurman wrote this wonderful poem called The Work of Christmas that I think is really important for us to think about because as the Christmas season ends, I think the work of Christmas just begins. This is the poem, Howard Thurman's The Work of Christmas. When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flocks, the work of Christmas begins. To find the lost, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among the people, to make music in the heart. In the name of our Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. Amen.